Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 187 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Well, it's holiday time for me. I'm off to the States. We've appointed a new apiary manager for our association and have some new ideas for swarm control. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Welcome back, everyone. I trust you're all well and you're settling your bees down for the long haul of winter successfully. I'm out at the apiaries later today, a last whiz round before I head off to America for a well-earned break. I guess one of the pitfalls of loving the work that you do is, well, it just doesn't seem like work. It's incredibly easy to get caught up in all things beekeeping to the point of exhaustion. That certainly feels how it is towards the end of the season. The workload takes a physical toll. And once the heavy work is over and your body feels it can relax a little, there are all the other tasks that need to take focus. Before I go on, I'm absolutely not complaining I feel so very lucky to be able to do what I love. I just wish I'd been able to find it 40 years ago. Anyway, once the body has recovered, it's maybe time to give the brain a little downtime too. As you all know, I'm already planning for next season. And no, I'm not turning my podcast into a wellness self-help podcast. But it is important that we all take good care of ourselves physically and mentally. So, my trip to see my youngest daughter is going to be a special trip. We've not seen her for a couple of years because of Covid, and in that time she's graduated from Penn State College and got married. I can't wait to celebrate with them both. But it's an obvious beekeeping opportunity. Fairly close to where we're visiting is a beekeeping store run by the Man Lake Company. Now, what beekeeper in their right mind isn't going to want to pay a visit to a beekeeping store given half a chance. I'm hoping they'll allow me to shoot a short walkthrough video, nothing too complicated as it will be on my mobile phone, but it should be quite interesting. I've emailed them to ask permission, wouldn't want to turn up and get ejected, or worse, arrested. Other than that, I intend spending time just chilling out with them, going for walks, eating, drinking and celebrating. But Before that, I still have stuff to do. One of the biggest jobs this week has been trying to contact all of my honey stockists to see if they want or need any additional honey for the period that I'm away. It's one of those one-man band kind of situations where I really don't want to ask anyone else to do the work for me while I'm away, and I don't want my retailers to have empty shelves. It's also given me a small boost to sales this month, which is always nice. December, of course, will start slowly, though. I guess you can't have it both ways. Work continues at the unit to get organised. 
I've actually recruited my brother and his son to help with some painting while I'm away. So I've been making up stacks of kit, buying in paint and brushes, and generally making sure the space is tidy and it's obvious what I want doing. I've come up with a colour scheme for the different hive parts and different hive types, just to complicate things of course. I'm hoping that by having different colours for the different hive parts I can more easily point out what I'm talking about on my videos and in the photographs. Last week I was talking about the increase in colonies and therefore a fairly dramatic increase in the number of supers I'll be moving around. This obviously necessitates the truck and trailer, of which I have both, but there's one small snag. The trailer is quite small and the suspension on it is quite old. In fact, it's very old. It uses those rubber block suspension units. These have a metal rod inserted into them and when the trailer goes over a bump, the rod twists in the rubber, providing some dampening and suspension. The trouble is that over time, these rubber blocks apparently perish and harden. This could mean a sudden failure and who knows what effect that could have on a trailer full of honey or bees. I can see the television headlines already. Beekeeper causes sticky situation on motorway network. And just think of the embarrassment that would cause me. So bearing in mind I need to move more kit and I really need something more reliable, I've just bought a second trailer. It's a second-hand trailer made by the i4 Williams company and has been fully serviced and checked, so it should be fine. It looks to be in great condition and it's a whopper. It's around 16 feet long by 7 foot wide. It's huge by comparison to the trailer I have and it's just what I need. I should be able to get something like 72 or more national hives on it in one trip. The only downside is I have to drive to Wales to collect it. Downside because of the miles, I hasten to add, not because it's Wales. I am, after all, half Welsh myself. The collection will have to wait until I return from my overseas trip, though. I don't want to get sidetracked before this weekend. Just going back to the equipment painting that I was talking about just a moment ago, I was back at the workshop yesterday, that's Wednesday this week, if you're listening to this newly published on Patreon, back to the workshop to collect kit more roofs, more floors, brood boxes and supers. I'm always amazed at the accumulation of hive parts that I've achieved over the years. A quick informal calculation revealed something like 40 plus floors, 30 plus roofs, a decent number of commercial brood bodies that were cleaned, I can't quite remember how many, and something like 65 supers. Not bad for a start. With all this painted, I can move a fair proportion of it out to the apiaries, clearing away space at the workshop and the unit, which should allow us to get even more organised in both locations, so the work can proceed at a greater speed. One of the biggest challenges at the workshop is the sloping roof. It drops down at the sides to less than six feet, and being six foot three tall, the roof beams are a constant challenge. It also limits the number of boxes we can stack at the sides, so two stacks of supers at the workshop translates into one stack of supers at the unit. A much better use of space, so it helps at both locations to have the completed boxes here in Norwich in preparation for moving out to the apiaries. I think I've mentioned before, we leave empty boxes out in the apiaries all winter long. 
it's very rare that we get such a long cold winter that it causes any problems. In fact, the milder winters give more of a challenge because of the damp and that affects the bees too. I would much rather have a nice cold spell through January and February than see temperatures rise and it rain, keeping the apiaries and the hives in a state of constant dampness. This, I think, more than anything, gives our bees the biggest challenge through the winter. The empty boxes are stacked on queen excluders for rodent protection, as I've said before, and they just have a simple roof on top, nothing more. One of the other tasks for the coming months is apiary maintenance. Grass needs cutting and strimming, brambles and trees need tidying up and cutting back. It's amazing how fast they grow each year. I'm also preparing one of my sites to use as a teaching apiary for our local association. I put in the title of the podcast, Association Struggles, and really what I'm referring to here is the constant challenge of getting new blood onto the committee. Here in Norwich, we have a relatively small group and just a handful of people on the committee. None of us has a particularly difficult task. Lorraine, our secretary, takes on the greatest amount of work, but that's only because we don't have anyone willing, as yet, to take on the various sub-roles. As treasurer, my biggest workload falls at the start of the new year, organising the membership renewals, but that's not too much work, as we're an affiliate association, so I just pass everything up to the parent association, and all I do is pay the bills. Terry, our chairman, gets away with doing almost nothing. He won't mind me saying that, but his role as our leader, is vital to keep us heading in the right direction. Anyway, trying to get new members. Blood from stone is the expression, I think. Just trying to get them to put their hands up and help out is such a struggle. One of our goals is to set up the new teaching apiary, and this can only be done if we have an association apiary manager. Well, I happened to say to Pete that he would make a fine apiary manager and whilst he didn't say no, he didn't quite say yes. But if you don't say no, well, to me, it's a kind of yes by default, isn't it? With that positive confirmation, I declared to the committee this week that Pete was now our new apiary manager and then sent him a message letting him know the committee was very excited to have him working with us. Trap sprung, new apiary manager in post, well, almost. We also have Katie helping out with our outside events, fairs and visits and such like. Another job that Paul Lorraine now doesn't have to manage, so it looks like we're moving in the right direction. Just going back to the apiary sites for the association, one of the major considerations, if you're involved with any association, is being inclusive and providing the same opportunities for everyone. With this in mind, I don't think my sites will work without some major groundworks, and honestly, that's unlikely to happen. Next step is to message the local county and city councils to see if they can help out with some derelict land, maybe. One step forwards and two steps back sometimes, but we'll see how it goes. I'll keep you posted, as they say, and with any luck, we'll have something sorted in time for the new season. Finally, You'll all know I like to try out new ideas and techniques. There's always something new to learn and different ways of doing things in beekeeping. It's what makes it such a joy and sometimes a frustration. Anyway, I watched a technique of splitting colonies that I know about but I've not used before and I'm sat here scratching my head wondering why. 
It uses a Snellgrove board. Some of you will be familiar with that. And it's simplicity in itself, it seems. It uses minimal equipment. And again, I'm sat here thinking why I haven't tried this approach before. Anyway, let's jump forward to the new season. It's spring. The sun is shining. It's warm. And we're deep into the oilseed rape season, which can only mean one thing. Swarms. My new cunning plan to help with managing the swarming and create the necessary increases I need will include this technique. Firstly, we find a colony that's growing fast and has thrown up some swarm cells. The hive gets split down and a new brood box is placed on the existing floor. Two or three frames of sealed and emerging brood are placed in the bottom box. The queen's added and filled up with frames of foundation. If available, we can add drawn comb so that the queen can continue to lay uninterrupted. The queen excluder goes back on top and any supers on top of that. Then we place a Snellgrove board on top of those boxes with all the openings and mesh coverings on the board itself sealed off. The old brood box goes on top of that and all but one of the queen cells are destroyed. The Snellgrove board has multiple openings, so we open one of those opposite the existing entrance. All the flying bees in the top box will go back to the main entrance below, while the nurse bees in the top box will nurture the queen cell and hopefully the new queen that emerges. A week later, the setup can be checked for any additional queen cells in the top and bottom boxes, but otherwise it can be left to develop and once there's a laying queen in the top box, it can be split off onto a new floor, crime board and roof and then moved to another apiary. Now I know this is a fairly standard method but it's just not one that I've ever tried before and I really want to try to manage my swarming in a more controlled way than I have before. It does mean that I need to make up quite a number of these boards but I think I may be able to adapt our clearer boards which will make sense as otherwise they only get used a couple of times a year. I'm sure we can do that. And let's face it, there's not much else to do over winter. Well, that's it for this week. Remember, I may not be about next week. We'll see how the holiday goes, but I will catch up with you again soon. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>